Verulam Sports. Hello again and welcome to Verulam Sport Podcasting. This is Tony Rice and it's, well, it's a happy Easter one and all. And uh, it means that uh, we're just over a week since the end of this year's thrilling Six Nations. I know, I know, I know. Sports presenters love to make us believe that this most recent was the best ever. And I'm not saying that. All I'm going to make us aware of, and our friend Mr. Brian Quinn, who is the voice of the OAs, just in case you forgot that, is going to unpack with me. But it must be said, Brian, maybe not the best ever, but certainly what a thrilling Six Nations campaign we've enjoyed. It was. Hello, Tony. Happy Easter. Glad to be talking to you again. And hello to all the listeners as well. Uh, it, it was thrilling, yes, it was thrilling, sometimes for all the wrong reasons. I suppose you could call it the card championship in certain ways. Uh, and mm. in, in that particular respect, the players have only themselves to blame. Well, Brian, uh, since you brought that up straight away, let's really delve into that. Because I haven't got the facts before my very eyes. But you're right. I mean, even in that thrilling climax, which we're going to build to, in which uh, Scotland got a rare victory uh, over the French... Finn Russell uh, read it and lots of cards. So, yeah, you're right. There was a proliferation of cards throughout the tournament. Is this becoming a problem or is this one of the things that made this season in Six Nations so very thrilling? No, I, I'm absolutely all with the referees and the game management at the moment. Player safety has to be absolutely paramount. As you know, players are, are much bigger, much faster, much yep. stronger, much smarter these days than they were certainly when I was playing regularly. And when they collide, things happen. The human body wasn't necessarily built to withstand some of the mm -hmm. collisions that happen these days. So these guys, whether they're paid, whether they're not, they have to be protected from themselves, yep. if you will. And to do that, we, we go to that that... that word that we so often use is, is precision. You have to make yes. sure. We're assuming that malice is taken out of it, that there shouldn't be malice on, on a field these days. It's too fast and too strong for that. So the guys have to w abide absolutely by the laws, by the rules, and by the way in which the game should be played. And for the most part, that happens. Occasionally, it doesn't. Uh, and when that happens, in this, what I think I should call a transition period, when okay will get used to the laws, people will go. They will take no further part in the match and they will be punished as a result of that. Uh, it has to be the way and hopefully we have a safer game at the end of it. Brian, as always, um, I'm not going to quibble with anything that you've just said there whatsoever. Not at all. My gripe, though, is not with the quantity of cards because as you've identified, again, it's made clear what we are looking for, what is acceptable, and of course, therefore, what is not acceptable when it comes to collision, when it comes to entering the, real, uh, the rook area, and certainly when it comes to engaging with a tackle area and uh, you know into any kind of face above neck context. We get all that. But my problem a little bit, Brian, overall, considering the whole tournament, is... Again, what we're looking for is precision from the players, but above all, what we're looking for from all class is consistency. And I'm not entirely convinced that the consistent application of this is yet defined. And I think that's going to be a bit of a problem until we pass out of transition. Would that be fair thoughts? Or do you think overall the referees have given a good, fair 
application of our current understanding of the rules? I think uh, you're absolutely right, Tony. It is uh, a matter of personal failings. Very few referees are going to be of the class of Nigel Owens or, or Wayne Bond. And yeah. again, that, that's a personal opinion there. These guys normally, unless you're a New Zealander, tend to get on very, very well with the, with, with, with the players. They do not interfere when they don't have to interfere. They tend to preempt penalties, which I love about mm -hmm. a referee. Fantastic. When you tell somebody to get back on side as opposed to penalising him, uh, you must engage with the players. Some of them can do it in more than one language, which I think is fantastic as well. well and certainly, I heard him uh, say a little. Yes, he is. There is a new generation of referees coming to the fore who seem to have that thing. I, I believe they should go on sales courses. I really do, because... It's something where you're taught not only about the product that you've got, and every referee has a product, but also how to apply it and how it can mean something to your customer, which in this case is the player. So if the player knows that his interests are going to be looked after, when a player knows that there are certain lines that he can't overshoot because the referee has just said, no, you're great there, stay there, um, it means that his game is easier. He doesn't have to think about that because the referee will let him know. Uh, if but it is a mindset. There are, there are certain people, uh, in my experience, none of them on the international board, uh, who should not have been refereeing at all. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be in charge of a, of a handcart. Mm -hmm. uh, because they, they believe that the game was, was a game for a whistle. It's not there for mm -hmm. a whistle. It's, a game, it, it's for 30 players to, yeah. to do exactly what they can do. On the Isn't field. it the That's case, Brian? They say this not just specific to the wonderful game of rugby union, but all sports that really the best referees, you don't even notice them. They're, they're almost not non-existence. And that, I guess, is what we're looking at, of course, our sport of rugby. Exactly right. Uh, th there's no reason why you should say the referee had a wonderful game. Uh, you can always try and bring it to your mind afterwards. Uh, referee, what did he do? Well, don't think he did anything, actually. Yeah. I've seen a panel referee, referee a fourth team game in Hertfordshire, uh, he, he just wanted to know if, if there was, uh, if the fourth team had uh, a referee that day. Uh, and I told him, I don't know, talk to the skipper over there, uh, which he did. And the skipper looked at him askance and said, all right, well, we'll give you a chance. Uh, in that match that he refereed, I think uh, the home side won it by a couple of points, but there was a total of six penalties in that match, in the fourth team match, which is astonishing. Amazing. And at the end of the the skipper said to, to his erstwhile referee, yeah, you're not bad at this. You want to take it up? You know, go and see a, the board of referees or something. Oh, thank you, said this guy. The following day, uh, sorry, the following week, that man refereed Leicester against Northampton. He was a panel referee, hadn't even mentioned it, not a word, just brought his, his expertise and his keenness to a strange game far away from where he lived. And he contributed wonderfully and didn't make a fuss about it. It was just absolutely perfect. It's a wonderful exposure of what a referee can do. Uh, and he didn't seem to be putting any effort into it, which is exactly right. And, of right. course, let's not forget, without the referees, though, there would be no game. We are, we are just appreciative of all of you whistleblowers out there. Uh, yep. But that was a fascinating insight there, Brian. I love those uh, nuggets that you oftentimes sprinkle in. Um, just coming back, though, to the Six Nations, what a thrilling climax, what a thrilling end to the sensational Six Nations of 2021. And makes a mug of us sometimes, this game, doesn't it, Brian? And your, <laughs> it has to be said, punditry form has been astonishingly good. It generally is. 
and you certainly put me in the shade. But if you can recall, we, you and I both predicted that it would be the French in Paris, victorious over Scotland. I went gung-ho and said they'd do exactly what they needed and get that 21-point win and four tries, making them champs. You were a little bit more reticent, but you still went French. Well, Scotland just, uh, again, made monkeys out of you and I from the Pundit Street stakes, didn't they? And I'm quite, I'm not, I'm not gutted at the bat. I don't know if you are. When you assume you make an ass out of you and me. (laughs) First of all, it was a wonderful game. uh, And thanks to everybody concerned in that. Secondly, I think France did an England on it, although not quite so badly as England did themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I do think France have only themselves to blame. Having said that, thirdly, Scotland, magnificent. And, and they can smile after their championship. To win in Paris for anybody is a tough thing to do. And a they rarity, a rarity. I wouldn't necessarily say a collector's item, but you have to go back to 1999 for the last time that uh, Scotland did win uh, in, in Paris. So fantastic stuff from them. And again, it's been a little bit of a historic history making campaign for the scots a victory at fortress twickenham uh for the first time since 1983 and then a win again in france um at the end of the season bookends immense if only they could have got their home form where they were in contention it could have been all so different but again we've said it before those sweet sweet candy nuts are uh, uh, they're sometimes a tough nut to swallow aren't they mr quinn Yes, they are. Scotland will probably be saying, well, we never play well at home. We only want to actually do the away matches. That's what we want to yeah. do. Uh, they, they will be kicking themselves about what went wrong. They, they were strangely quieter at Murrayfield than they were uh, in parts foreign. So I don't know. Uh, I'll leave it to their own analysis to work out what went wrong there. But it was strange. And congratulations to them for two wonderful away wins. Absolutely. And again, something to build on. I'll tell you what, I've said it throughout the campaign. I am most impressed uh, with Townsend and his culture that he's building there. And just a quick word. uh, Again, we are in hooray confirmation of a Lions summer ahead. And Hamish Watson, the pugnacious um, Hamish Watson, who was outstanding against France and so outstanding consistently, indeed he was named player of the tournament are we looking at a 29 year old lion in the making there mr quinn i see no reason why not he put himself about the field to tremendous effect uh, and we know going back to people like fergus flattery all those years ago uh, you can really make a name for yourself in the back row and he did and i see no reason why watson wouldn't as well um a pocket dynamo isn't he a real pocket dynamo so hard to put down with that low center of gravity and that's or you know that almost conan the barbarian hairstyle that he's got going on i'm mightily impressed yeah well like you i don't have the figures to hand but i'd like to see his carrying figures compared to any other seven or or six uh, or eight for that matter in the championship because i think he'll be straight ahead of anybody else and very as you've said very difficult to put down 
Watch the space. 29-year-old Hamish Watson, player of the tournament in what was an amazing Six Nations tournament 2021. Coming back just for the final uh, analysis on France versus Scotland in Paris just last weekend. France 23, Scotland with 27 points. A, a victory in Paris for the first time since 99. Confirmed and made official right at the very death with a second try um, for the South African Heritage uh, exports Van der Muur, who also was busy all game. So 23 to 27, uh, France lose to Scotland. I want to say one thing in closing, Brian. I'm still impressed with France massively. I'm still convinced in everything that I hold dear and believe and recognize myself as a reasonably good uh, to wit on the game of rugby. They're going to be champs in 2023. A lot of water under the bridge before then, of course. But, Brian, I think this was a peculiar game for the French because I think that they were playing almost situational rugby as, a as opposed to the game itself, aware eminently of that need to become champs and get that 21-point slide plus four, four tries. And I suspect, just from watching the game, that that was so in their mindset that it impacted on the performance. Does that make sense to you, Brian? Or am I being maybe too kind to the French and perhaps not giving the Scots enough credit for their way they handled themselves last week? Well, it's a game of heart and spirit, as you know so well. Uh, I think uh, you're quite right. I think France should have forgotten everything apart from what, whatever was in front of them immediately. There should have been some, some more French heart some more Gallic je ne sais quoi, uh, and we would have had a, a better game, and France would have emerged the victors, in my not so humble opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, however, it's gone now, the, the opportunity is gone, and they will have to wait until next year. But they can take more out of their season than, for instance, Wales can, again, in my opinion. Uh, Wales won the championship. Congratulations to them. Absolutely massive congratulations. And they, they were smarter. They were led better than any mm -hmm. other sides on, on offer. Alan Wynne-Jones probably gets better as opposed to older. So <laughs> I don't know what he's taking, but I'd like some of it. I think um, uh, I just, if he could bottle it, he'd be a multi-billionaire, wouldn't he? But there we go. Yeah, um, credit to the Welsh, as you've rightly said there, and I definitely uh, echo that sentiment. The, um, claim the Six Nations their second in the last three years but once again I think it was um, Jimmy Greaves that uttered that football's a funny old game well my word isn't the game of rugby union very peculiar indeed because people like you and I possibly slightly more myself if we're being honest were wanting to slightly put Mr Pivot, Wayne Pivot, their coach of Wales under the uh, microscope going into the tournament and wanted to kind of build the narrative that they were a team under the cosh and performing uh, not to par. The champions, just what would that be two months later? Peculiar old game, Mr. Quinn. Indeed it is. Uh, and happily, we have a tiny little part in it, which is very, very enjoyable. And I feel humbled all the time thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, seconding those motions. Um, final thing then, before we wrap up, uh, for what has been a thrilling Six Nations tournament, 
Uh, and I've got to come back, of course, to England, finishing in fifth above uh, Italy. And I'm, I've got nothing to say about Italy anymore, Brian, when it comes to this. I've just got nothing. Yep. Uh, so England, we've got to just slightly put them under the microscope. Uh, again, you and I understand, don't we, as everybody does, the, res the resources that we boast in this country is the envy of the world when it comes to rugby union. And the talent on the pitch is there. We showed that against the French. But the lack of consistency, um, the Brian Quinn precisionometer swinging into negative integers and also discipline really, really poor. For me, England need to do some serious soul searching at this moment in time. But uh, causes for optimism and your overall appraisal of England? Well, there can't be anything other than optimism for, for what lies ahead. Looking, as you, you've referred to, the resources and the players that England have. Normally, and I've said this before, it's a management problem when something goes wrong, and I think it's a management problem again. I don't know if they're micromanaged, maybe they are. Uh, I, I believe that if they are taught just to run as hard as they can, to support each other, to communicate with each other as loudly as they can, and just keep on doing that, keep on trying to create a two-on-one situation. Uh, in the tight play, uh, England have all, all the people there. There's nothing wrong with their line-out at all. They had a wonderful mm -hmm. line-out all the way through. It's what they do with it when they get it mm -hmm. that, that's the problem. I, I want to see the midfield. I think the midfield is a mess. Mm. Uh, it's and I don't know quite what England are going to do about it because there there are various people that they've tried there, but people with the ball, basic things. The pass has to go in front of the man as opposed to to the man or behind him. Mm -hmm. It's it's a simple thing. My club doesn't do it. England don't do it. France do. Uh, hey Brian, doesn't but doesn't suggest cannot, and we're excited for the OAs uh, really kind of uh, getting that pass to a momentum driving man uh, in Brian Quinn precision style in the very near future. Yes, yes, that looks, we look forward to that. The, uh, as I've said before, the warm-up match uh, against Tonbridge is uh, 22nd of August, I believe it is. I will confirm that later on, but I think it's the 22nd, and we're very, very excited about that. The fact that, uh, assuming any of us can remember what a rugby ball looks like, <laughs> uh, we will have wonderful times ahead. We can't wait. Brian, honestly, thank you so much, as always, for your time, your erudition, and your, uh, how do you say, for du joli, uh, superb. It's uh, been a, a real, real joy to enjoy your company, and I look forward to uh, building up again to the OAs, and I think, no doubt about it, you and I, over the coming weeks, indeed months, will be doing something of a lion's watch, and that's not to say that uh, we'll go to the zoo. So I look forward to that. And again, a big thank you for your time just now.